Welcome into Two Foreign Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of Two Foreign Drafts, a rookies and draft prospects podcast today. We, me and Mike Renner in Cincinnati to do NFL draft grades and a 2021 season preview for all AFC teams. We did the NFC teams on the previous episode. We're doing AFC teams now. Let's get it. Back in the saddle, baby. We're in the same clothes. According these things, back to back. Uh, we're gonna start with the AFC North. No, I just AFC wore the North. same clothes two days in a row. Yeah, I, I was like, like you. On, I was like you on the draft. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> so can we talk about that? Let's talk about. Let's start with this story here. Let's start with this story. So Sweat Taylor, big shout out to Sweat Taylor. That was awesome. They dressed us for all fucking four days. It was sick. I wore obviously the Steve Jobs turtleneck first day. Yeah. Unknowingly, I didn't know it was gonna fit that tight around the neck. I think someone said I look like five, here's here's the best comments from the show. I look like five different guess who characters. That's sensational. That one was perfect. That's sensational. I still you had look like, like you had like a lot of like very unique identifiers, not very unique, unique identifiers. Yeah, you can't modify unique. You can't modify unique. Got the glasses, the mustache, the Steve Jobs turtle. I got compared to Freddie Mercury a ton. Mm, yeah, a little bit of that. Some people the Freddie Mercury, American-born Freddie Mercury. Um, Steve Jobs. I like the French novelist. The French take. novelist, yeah. The French murder mystery writer was another one that I really liked. So, okay, I wore the black turtleneck day one. Day two, I was able to slip in the Armo, Armo, the Army, Army color green hoodie, which I thought was a nice piece. Mm -hmm. Then on day three, I said, I'm hosting. It's time to bring out the big guns. I bring back out the turtleneck because the turtleneck was just such a conversation starter. And then day four, one of our producers says, hey, you got to wear light on camera. It looks a lot better on camera. Everyone was wearing dark as hell on the day before. Let's go light. Everyone brings in the same shirt from Sweat Taylor. Everyone yeah, brings in the gray. gray one. So everyone from the produ producer's feedback is like, oh, well, I'll, wear gray. Well, I'll just bring my gray one. We all show up like we're all in fucking gray looking like idiots. So then mm -hmm. I have to go back on the black turtle. See, my fave, my, my highlight was Friday, uh, so Friday night we end like pretty late. It was like the long day and like midnight 1.30. Um, I go back home. Actually, I went to clutch for a second and then I went back home <laughs> and then savage. came back to the office because we had to do an 8 a.m. radio hit and I just roll in and like you're like sound asleep on the couch. I'm like, oh, fuck. What, what happened last night to you? Dude, well, I was up till like four or five a.m. the next like that night trying to get stuff up on the site, and then I end up there's no blankets in the office, so I yeah. sleep on the couch in the office, and I I end up like sleeping with the sweat tailor clothes as my blanket. So I had the hoodie on, and then I had the black turtle as my blanket. And it was you know a how you can tell when someone's not gotten any sleep, like you could tell from that first radio show. I'm like, oh man, you are. I'm done. I'm done. Just, done. Yeah. You, I'm like, always like here, and then when I when this when the lack of sleep hits, I like somehow slow down. I'm like, dude, is... you just like need to go to bed. Like I was like nap something, but dude, it was tough. And then and we, we, so after that radio show, from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Sirius, we end up doing the fucking eight hours of eight draft hours coverage of on draft day three. Live. My brain was literally spaghetti noodles by the back end. Our producer was Skyline like, dude, Chile. like my the producer Jerry Madelon, big shout out to our producer. He's like texting me. He's like, dude. You're tired. You need to calm the fuck down. Because, like, here's the thing. When I get tired, it's not like I, I'm, like, lethargic or anything. Yeah. My brain just unravels. It's just like I end up saying a bunch of dumb shit, and mm -hmm. I just turn into a meat, a, a mashed potato brain, and it was tough. But let's get to the AFC. I'm, I'm, sleep, I'm less sleep-deprived now. We're going on to the AFC. Mm -hmm. We're going to do draft grades and AFC team previews for all of the teams in the AFC, starting with the AFC North and specifically the Pittsburgh Steelers, who grabbed Najee Harris, the Alabama running back, at 24. Then they grab Pat Farimuth at 55 out of Penn State. And then obviously Kendrick Green in the third. Your thoughts on their top three picks there? It's just the first one's the tough one. Mm -hmm. well, I don't know what grade we ended up giving it, but it's just we don't have to harp on it too much. But Najee Harris running back in the first one, which is not going to get aboard. We gave it a poor grade according to the draft tracker. Yeah. So that's the pick I would have changed. My favorite pick, probably the Kendrick Green one. He was 68th in the PFF draft board. They got him 87th overall. I, th I think he steps in and starts at center right away. They don't have a ton of options. Um, I'm not sure he's necessarily going to be exceptional right away. Still a little bit of athletic-ish project, but I, I think he's close enough. The, the pick I would change, the Najee one, obviously, they're not so solid at other positions. Specifically offensive line. Offensive line, but also cornerback that I would have passed on Greg Newsom there. Uh, Greg Newsom, I think, great team fit. 
And I just think you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to go up against the AFC. And it's teams that sling the fucking rock. And you got to stop them with a good secondary. Now you got maybe Justin Lane potentially starting on the outside. Not that we didn't like Justin Lane coming out. I think he was like 50th or so on the PFF draft board. But damn, he just, he's, un, he, I would have liked an upgrade there. Draft class grade, according to PFF, was a C. They grabbed um, Dan Moore Jr. in the fourth um, off the tackle at Texas A&M. Buddy Johnson, also out of Texas A&M, the linebacker. I like the Quincy Roche pick in round six. Quincy Roche at least had some like good tape. You know, I mean, he's not like that level of athlete, but still in the sixth, I think that's a good pick. I was also watching a lot of Alex Highsmith last night. That dude actually works some. He worked some cross chop that I thought he was trying there. He had a couple inside moves and then just spin. There's a spin, spin move against the Colts where he just dumps this offensive tackle. Like he has yeah. a variety of moves that I think, man, going into year two. They're still going to have top three D-line, I mean, pretty easily. His bend is also nuts. Like I really like how Alex Highsmith can turn the corner a little yeah. bit, man. I'm excited about Alex Highsmith, Charlotte guy, guy who was also interviewed on 2-4-1 drafts. Make sure you're listening in to 2-4-1 drafts, rate, review, and subscribe. All I right. If they're listening, they're listening. If they're listening, if you're listening – now, rate, review, and subscribe. Okay. If you're watching on YouTube, go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, rate, be, review, and subscribe. Be told the people to listen in, which they're literally already doing. That's what I'm trying to say. Do you want me to jump over this table and punch you? I'd, I'd rather you didn't. We're doing a podcast, <laughs> buddy. Let's go. All right. Jumping now to... You keep missing the win totals. Fuck. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. You got me fucking sidetracked. Um, God, this one's tough. This is the maybe the best division in football? Yes. So I think under. I just think they are... They're plus 400 to win the division. They're behind the Ravens comfortably. They're behind the Browns comfortably in terms of how good I feel about them going into this year. I might like the Bengals more than them. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Jim. Jim. I don't uh, know. I, I don't like the Bengals more than them. I'll just okay. say that. Okay. But, and I... What's the I line for Bengals finish with more wins than the Steelers? You want to make a bet right now? I'll bet you right now. 50 bucks. What What do you want? I actually really don't want to bet that, but I... Even odds. Bengals win more games than the Steelers. 50 bucks. Okay. 50 bucks. Bet. Deal. Deal. Bang. Their offense line just stinks, though. You got Zach Banner starting to right tackle and Shakuma Kora for starting to left tackle. And Alejandro Villalueva just got signed by your division rival, Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, that's true. Just dick punch. So you're going under eight and a half. I'm going under eight and a half. Fair enough. All right, let's jump now to the Baltimore Ravens, who had an absolutely stellar draft. I love what the Ravens did, man. They had you you did the mock draft, what, the day before the day of, with the Baltimore Ravens taking Rashad Bateman at 27 and Jason Owe, now Adafi Owe at 31. They do it. They take him at 27 and 31. And then also yeah, after that, Ben Cleveland at 94, I loved. Tylen Wallace at 131. I'm on the Sean Wade train at 160. I think that was a good pick as well. Like, man, like the Baltimore Ravens, draft grade according to PFF, B+. Plus. I think it could have gone higher. I really like what the Ravens did. Yeah, Ben Cleveland, perfect fit for their scheme, too. For drafting a guard that, get a guard that can fucking move the line. Built like a fucking Adonis. Yeah. Dude's insane. So, yeah, ticking boxes with Bateman, Adafi Owe. Cleveland's like what they did. The Brandon Stevens pick, so no top hundred pick. I would have changed there. The Brandon Stevens pick, I, straight up, we didn't get to him. Fucking like the quarterback, cornerback from SMU who had a coverage grade in the fifties, but he's high level athlete. That's why they drafted him there. Um, and then even on day three, some picks I liked in the getting the bet, getting the best pure fullback in class, Ben Mason, and you like the Sean Wade one. So a good all around draft. I'm not sure this pumps me over ten and a half wins for them, but ten and a half's a lot. But ten, but uh, fan of what they did, obviously. What's your opinion? What is the real Lamar Jackson? I think always my favorite pick for them. Also, okay, so I'll say yeah. Lamar Jackson, former MVP. Some people are hating on him. I, I work with the social media team a ton. Anytime we tweet out anything on Lamar Jackson, there is a polarizing. A ton of people are like, he's awful. Where are you at with Lamar Jackson? Because they're gonna, because they're gonna have to be figuring out where they're at. Because they're gonna have to either extend him. Or obviously, he's gonna get the extension. He's an MVP. Mm, obviously, maybe not. Obviously, so talk to me. Talk to me. Where are you at with Lamar Jackson? I wouldn't extend him. Holy shit! I mean, his value is near on par with the running back in terms of, like, okay, you how, need to, what are you saying in, right in now? terms of not value his lifespan, like at the position. Like, the reason that offense cooks is because he is as dynamic as he is as a runner. That doesn't, ex like, that doesn't, 
that won't last until you're 35. You know, like that. Will, will it? I don't think so. Like it will be a little long because he's not taking as many hits as a running back is. But if he does, if he does get hurt, you know, injuries are more more likely to occur the more hits you're taking. So I, I wouldn't give him a long term extension. Because what about this year? Can he prove? Can you prove that wrong? Can he? Could he show up this year and, and earn a long term extension from you? I, I just he's never been that as a passer. So I would I would continually with him franchise I, I like use the fifth year then use the franchise maybe a second one and then that's probably it like it, the guy's going to be into his late 20s and then the injury risk then at that point with how much he is utilized in the running game it's just gonna be high all right man well you're going no pick on the over under for the baltimore ravens or are you going to go under sound like you just want to kill lamar jackson you hate him i go, think i think lamar no jackson's pick. better than where how you phrase that and i do think that well, maybe he won't be that player until he's 35. He could be that player until he's 30. I don't think he's that old. Like a, a four, three, four-year extension, like he's only going to put him but back I, in his 20s. Not to put RG3 on him, but it's like one injury that limits you. You're toast. So. Where are you going with their win total? I'm going to say no no pick on the 10 and No half. pick on it's the high. 10 and a half? Wow, what a fucking loser. All right, let's go to – I'm going to go <laughs> – I don't have a pick either, honestly. I, <laughs> 10 and a half is tough. I mean, when you're betting on high win totals, it's yeah. tough. Like you're dealing with a lot of injury variants and stuff. So I do think that I'm a little nervous on the 10 and a half. All right, Cleveland Browns. You love their draft. You love their offseason. You love Andrew Barry. You're ready to move to Cleveland at this mm -hmm. point. You mm -hmm. gave them an A-plus draft grade. They grabbed Greg Newsom at 26, Jeremiah Usu-Kormo at 52, James Hudson at 110, Tommy Togia at 132. I mean, man, they, they, they just – and they grabbed Marvin Wilson as an undrafted free agent. Obviously, that doesn't really super impact this draft grade. But, man, they've done a, a lot plus. of really positive things in the draft. And then going back to what they did in free agency, I think the Javion Clowney signing was good. The John Johnson signing, good. Like, they continue to make – Troy Hill, a good decision. Like, this Cleveland Browns team is legit. Like, legit, legit. If Baker Mayfield can maintain what he was last year, if not slightly improve, they are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Over 10. Over 10. Over 10. You're going over 10 wins. Over 10. This, this is, could be an 11-12 win team on a 17-game season. This is, on paper, the best roster in the NFL. It's on paper the best Ahead roster. Ahead of Tampa Bay? Look at their, okay, just look at their offensive line, wide receiving core. I put I mean, it on like, paper number o, two. On paper Odell. number two. Uh, okay, I mean, it's pretty incredible. It's though. good. Like, it's really good. I think it's top three roster easily. Number two Miles is probably Garrett, where I'd put Javion it. David Clowney, Denzel Ward. As many safeties as they have. Depth on the interior, too. I like their defensive line. Possibly Tampa Bay better. But it is right there. It's legitimately right there. And then what they did in this draft uh, was exceptional. And obviously, then it hinges on Baker Mayfield and what, how he develops. But, man, they're very good. Uh, not a lot of holes on this team. And they added two valuable positions in, like, coverage linebacker, cover corner. And then the Schwartz picks the one where it's like, eh, pick 91, rare dude and what he brings to the table with maybe the fastest player in the nfl right now so i can see how that would I think he's faster than tyreek uh he broke the world or he broke the youth 100 meter record when he was in high school so i'd like to see them race. so he could be up there um ascending sort of prospect and that he's only 20 has that level of speed really raw to the position so we'll see what you get but can't coach 427 so I would have got Darden there. That's probably the one I would change if you really want. That guy, Darden, I think brings a lot of the same elements with a little bit more polish, but splitting hairs. Love the draft, man. Cincinnati Bengals up next. You said you're going over the 10. I'm going to go over the 10 with you like that. Cincinnati Bengals on the books next year. We like their draft as well. I mean, a lot of people hate it on the Jamar Chase pick. But Jamar Chase at five. Then they grab Jackson Carmen after a trade down at 46. And then Joseph Osai, the Texas Edge at 69, we gave their draft grade a B. Yeah, I, I was fine with one, two, three. Like, just like compared to the PFF draft board, Jamar Chase, they got pick five. He was sixth on the draft board. Carmen, they got a 46. He was 48th on the draft board. Osiah, they got 69. He was 60th on the draft board. So it's just like they drafted the guys where we would have drafted them, which that's a good draft. Yeah. Um, Carmen, I think he was one of the best candidates to start at guard of these tackles in this class to start at guard early in his career and can maybe develop into a tackle. I think that's a great landing spot then for him. Cincinnati, I'm not sure this vaults them to contender status. I still have massive question marks about this defense. Linebacker position there. 
but in their DC, but uh, it's it's a good draft. It is a, and I love the Tyler Shelvin pick, one twenty two. Getting the getting a true space eating nose tackle there. That's that's where we draft them. Oh, my watch, brutal. What's your uh, opinion of the Deontay Smith pick? I mean, he's where they get him one thirty nine. Little like he's he's a project tackle, and that's where you draft project tackles. So fourth right you don't draft them in the third you don't draft them in the second because projects to tackle are very much crap shoots no matter how physically gifted those dudes are looking at the pick by pick grades on pff's draft tracker jamar chase an elite grade jackson carmen above average joseph Asai above average cameron sample very good who had an outstanding senior bowl by the way tyler shelvin above average like they made some really good picks i mean they really like what they've done yep. all the way down what's your opinion of this i was watching a lot of aj brown last night and I kept seeing, I, I like the comparison to Jamar Chase, like a lighter Jamar, uh, Jamar Chase, like a lighter AJ Brown that he just wins with physicality. Like mm -hmm. AJ Brown's like separation ability when you watch him on tape this past year, it's not like elite. It's not like elite elite. You know, there's times mm -hmm. where like guys who are trying to bully him can get in his, at the catch point, but he's very physical, wins with physicality. I do think AJ Brown, what, six foot four, six foot one, 225. And Jamar Chase is like six foot two oh two in that range, like a lighter AJ Brown. It's a similar play style at the very least. Like I think they play similarly. Yeah, twenty pounds, such a massive difference. Yeah, though, it's between huge. Body it's types huge. where it's like they really are different. Yeah. So. But how they, I feel like how they approach the position is similar. Like they both try and win with physicality. They're both really good after the catch. I think that's got underrated in the Jamar Chase conversation about what he can do after the catch. But and you, they also got one of your favorite running backs in this class, Chris Evans at two oh two. Hell yeah, dude! That's a great. That was a great pickup for me. He's very similarly tooled skill to, to a Joe Mixon. Yeah, so great back to spell Joe Mixon. All right, Indianapolis Colts, they're over under set. At, or where do we want to go with the Bengals? Six and a half wins. I'm going over. We're going over six and a half. Let's go, baby. That's We're for Mike in. Quinn. That's for Mike Quinn. All right, Indianapolis Colts, their pick grade, we gave them a C plus. Plus, our, a plus the, just like the Burrow factor. Yeah. Year two of Burrow, I think he's going to be very good. Yeah. I think he's going to be very good. That's why this division, that's why I say the Steelers – it's tough at eight. I was grinding the tape last night, Mike. I was watching a lot of T. Higgins as well. So I was watching Brown, Higgins. I watched some Alex Highsmith. But Higgins is interesting. You turn on the tape and you see a lot of times where Burrow, man, he's throwing some lollies. Those, those That arm talent shows up a handful of times. Yeah. But what you did see, like some of that out of structure stuff, I think was very good. He had a very good, you know, scramble connection with T. Higgins a handful of times. And I do think that the accuracy, like the ball placement continued to show up. But the biggest area to improve for Joe Burrow, in my opinion, is the deep accuracy. Like you just, it was not the same level as what yeah. it was at LSU, and I think that comes with chemistry. Like Cooper. fitting, you know, Derek Carr talked a ton about this a few years ago with Michael Crabtree and Mark Cooper before that season. He had mm -hmm. that MVP caliber season um, when he broke his leg and all that stuff. Like chemistry on the deep ball matters. Like having that chemistry with Cooper and Crabtree in 2016 was huge. And I think you see, like regardless of arm talent, like if you're going to hit consistently with Higgins and Boyd and and these guys down the football field and Chase, like you need that chemistry, and he's going to have it with Chase. He already yeah. had some of it with Higgins. Boyd now entering, you know, what, year four, year five of his career. Like, I think this this deep actually improves just with being on the football field more with these guys. But also, it is difficult when you don't have a strong arm to be consistently accurate deep. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it from this perspective, it's like you're putting every, a 50-yard pass, you're putting everything you got into it. If you're yeah. a guy like Burrow, a guy like Mac Jones, if you are a guy like Trey Lance, that's just a flick. Like, that, that's not everything you got. And so it's like a... It's like a, a wedge shot in golf. Mm -hmm. If you're pulling your wedge all the way back, which you're like, you're not supposed to take full swings with wedge shots. You're supposed to not go. It's easier to control when you're going 75% on those. But when you're taking a full swing with the wedge shot, your distance control will suffer. So weak arms are difficult to consistently. But his deep actually at LSU was so good. It was the best in the country. Like yeah. what he did. And I think a lot of that, again, was just like experience yeah. with those guys. Like I do think that that matters. I know his arm talent's not going to get objectively better in 2021, but what's going to get better is obviously his experience and hopefully this offensive line to hold mm -hmm. up. So when he is making that deep ball, he's not under pressure. Our Indianapolis Colts, their draft grade, a C plus. Quiddy Pay, the first edge on PFS draft board, they take him at 21. Then they grab another edge out of Vandy, Deo Odiingbo at 54. After that, man, I don't love this draft, dude. I, I mean, I don't. I think after Quiddy Pay, I don't love this draft. I, I think Deo might have even been a reach at 54. I don't love what the Colts did. You gave them, though, a C plus. Yes. It just. This could have been pay, a flat C for me. The Pay one's fine. Fine with that pick. Odiingbo one is. Uh, now he's a talented dude, don't get me wrong, but coming off an Achilles, which is a massive injury for an explosive position, 
And for a guy at that size, like there's you got no assuredness there that he's going to be the guy we saw before that. And, and you've really thrown a lot of resources at edge now, especially in the second round. Just the past three drafts prior to this, you got, you got Terrell Basham in the third, Kamoko Ture, Taekwon Lewis in the second, Ben Banigou in the second. It's four guys in the past four drafts that you've tried edge on day three. Now you're adding two more to the mix. And only two see the field, you know, like yeah. you're throwing a lot of resources at, yeah, it's a valuable position, but just like take that in the first and develop quitty pay. Mm -hmm. And then like, don't, uh, like the, we've said, the guys at that position go early and NFL is good at identifying them. So Odie Ingbo is interesting without a left tackle on the roster. There were no they're, tackles they're available Eric at that Fisher point. now, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought that was always the most likely scenario for them was to get one. But I did think it was in a deep tackle class, it could have been smart for them to at least try to address it. Now, they all did come off the board. There was that run of Cosme, Raidens, right before they picked in the second round. That had to be a little bit disappointing for them. But Absolutely. I think that kind of forced their hands into Eddie Ingbo. Yeah. I mean, I doubt they went into this draft thinking, well, let's go two edges off the top. Mm -hmm. You know, I think they were probably looking at off the tackle, and then there was that big run. But and then you have to factor in that third rounder. I believe the third rounder was the one that went over in the Wentz deal, right? So yep. you got to factor that in as well. So just kind, over of, a, under, just kind of a meh. Draft. I'm slamming the under here. Over under 10 wins for the Colts. Under. It was just way under. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so, man. Not for me. One of the highest pumped up. That, that's one of the higher ones. Yep. I can't, I can't believe that's 10 for them. All right, Tennessee Titans at nine and a half. That's their win total right now. We really like their draft. I think the Tennessee Titans did a lot of really positive things. Obviously, grabbing Caleb Farley at 22, a PFF guy, then Dylan Radins at 53. Those two picks right there. Caleb Farley was the 23rd ranked player on PFF's draft board. Dylan Radins was the 32nd ranked player on PFF's draft board. And then it, in the round three, back in round three, with a compensatory selection, they grab Elijah Molden, arguably the best Bam. slot cornerback in this class at pick Not an argument. Yes. Not arguably. The best slot cornerback in this class, according to PFF. Mike, Caleb Farley, Raidens, and Elijah Molden in your top 100 picks. Those are fire. I didn't love the Monty Rice pick at 92, but still, you hit three of the four on P you know, in terms of values on PFS board. Of course, we're going to like your draft. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I'll say I, I like the Monty Rice pick also. Okay. This is one where I wouldn't change any of these. Really? Really you wouldn't any change any of these? I mean, the Farley one, we had him a CB1. Your doctors obviously vetted him and you drafted him there. It worked out when they did it. Same thing with Simmons. So we'll see about that. Raiden's 53. Love that pick. 32nd player on our board. Rice was in that range. There were no other linebackers we had higher than Monty Rice. And then Elijah Molden. Fucking knockout. So you got to go Death Fitzpatrick before I'd start to change a pick. But that's that's it. I probably would have gone corner, maybe Fatu Melifonwu ahead of Monty Rice there for the Tennessee Titans. I think that's where I Another would Another corner? Yeah, they already drafted Farley. I get more corners, dude. The secondary Fulton, is disaster. You got Fulton, Janoris Jenkins, Farley. I'm still grabbing cornerbacks, baby. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, come on. Let's go. All right, over under nine and a half wins for Tennessee. Oh, man. Someone's got to win this division. Someone's got to win this division. They're roping me back in because I hated the rest of their offseason. Mm -hmm. But I love this draft. So I don't know what to say here. Should the Colts be the highest projected win total in this division? Yes. They really? should be the favorites. You mean the, oh, no. the Colts? Oh, no. Titan, oh, Titans yeah. should be the favorites. Sorry. Titans should be the favorites. I'll go over for nine and a half. For yeah, let's do over for nine and a half. I yeah. like that. I was going to fade the Texans, the Titans you got, this year. You got two layup wins against the Texans. Mm -hmm. I guess they, you don't have any other layups in that division, but two layup wins against the Texans. You, ready? <laughs> you just need to win 80 or other 15 games. I guess Which so. Which is not bad. It's like, not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I do think that a lot of this offseason, I've been talking about fading the Tennessee Titans because of how much they lost defensively and then losing Corey Davis, losing Johnny Smith. But now the number's nine and a half. I thought this would have been like a 10 and a half number because a lot of people like Titans yeah. and Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. But man, nine and a half, I start to think I like it. I start to think I like it. All right. Jacksonville Jaguars at six and a half. Their win total for 2021 is six and a half. Obviously, have new quarterback Trevor Lawrence. But you want to change that second pick. At 25, they take Travis Etienne of Clemson. Where are you changing that pick to? Yeah, that's my least favorite one. I didn't love the Tyson Campbell one either. Obviously, my favorite one's going to be Walker Little at 45. I'm, I'm changing a lot of teams to this one because I think he was one of the steals of the draft. And it's Travis Etienne. I would have gone Greg Newsom. They obviously wanted corner. They took one eight picks later. 
if you told me they got Greg Newsome and then Javante Williams instead of Travis Etienne, Tyson Campbell, I'd be like, oof, okay, we could talk. That's a hot, that's a hot draft. This right now with Etienne and Campbell, not nearly as hot to me. Yeah, and I Newsome, so. I think, has the ability, much more so than Tyson Campbell, to play slot. And could have done that from day one in your defense because you got Shaq and C.J. Henderson on the outside. I, I, I think Greg Newsom at 25 would have been sick. And then grabbing, I don't even think they needed to grab running back at 33. Yeah, I didn't think so either. But if you were, if that was your bag. Javante on the board at 33 would have been nice to. What's your opinion of the Andre Cisco pick at 65? Love Cisco, the rapper and Andre. Uh, he's fits like they're, like I said, they got Joe Cullen, new DC, safeties that can do a lot of different things. And he's got some legit, legit range, Andre Cisco. Big dude, can be a blitzer in your defense as well. Can blitz from like some range too with how explosive he is. Now the ACL tier, whatever, not great, but you know I love Cisco. Cisco. All right. This is one of the worst draft grades we have. Um, Houston Texans. This is rough. Their first pick wasn't until 67. Their draft grade was a C minus. They picked up quarterback Davis Mills of Stanford at 67. You said it on the show. They lit that pick on fire. I did then they that. trade up for Nico Collins, the wide receiver out of Michigan at 89. Then they grabbed my favorite pick here is probably Brevin Jordan at 147. But even then, like a low impact position. This Houston Texans team, there's a reason their win total is at three and a half. It's literally three and a half next year on the 17-game schedule. It's one of the lowest win totals I've ever seen. That's absurd, and it's for good reason, though. I mean, this draft was bad. Their offseason was worse. This is a tough situation for Houston. But then also the trade-up for Nico Collins. They moved up 20 spots from 109 to 89. And they gave up another fourth. Or they gave up a fifth-rounder and then a 2022 fourth-rounder, which that 2022 fourth-rounder will be at the very top of the fourth round. Yes. <laughs> you know, that will be a borderline top 100 pick. So, my God. Uh, this is rough. Bad man. trade there. This is rough. When you need that future pick, and you need to not be drafting a quarterback when you know you're going to draft a quarterback next year in the first round. You just know. You will. That's what you're going to do. It's what's going to happen. I would put a lot of money on it right now. Yeah. If you could have Davis that Mills can play. Davis Mills can play well this year. Like, well for a rookie, and you're drafting a quarterback at the top of the first round next year. You just are. So... That one I would have changed. I think top player on our board at 6-7 overall would have been Diami Brown. That's who we would have drafted because I don't give a shit about positional needs at this point if I'm the Texans. This entire I draft roster the, is a need. I draft the top player on my draft board every single pick with how bad this team is. Trading up for Nico Collins too, man. Like the Davis Mills and then trading up for Nico Collins. Like this is an ugly draft. We probably could have gone D here again. Rough. Rough to see. Over under three and a half wins. Under. You're going to go under three and a half. It's crazy. It's crazy. I guess you're, you're right. You're right to do it. But like 17 They will games. sneak into something. One or two. Yeah. They will not sneak into four wins. Fair enough. I don't care if they're playing 20 games. Damn. This this total was at four and a half before the draft. Can you imagine betting that under? I don't know how it went lower. I think they were people were betting into it. I mean, that's yeah, the problem. But, people are betting into the market and people are like, man, under, yeah. under, under, under. And like, fuck. Now the market's at three and a half, which is incredible. All right. Let's now jump away from the Houston Texans and onto the AFC East, starting with the Buffalo Bills, who went double dipping along the defensive line to start here, which is interesting. They grabbed Gregory Rousseau at 30, and then they grabbed Carlos Basham Jr. at 61, feeding the defensive line. They mm -hmm. continued in the trenches, too, after that. Spencer Brown off the tackle, Northern Iowa at 93. Tommy Doyle off the tackle out of Miami, Ohio at 161. They just continued to feed the trenches there. Yeah, so... What did we give the draft grade? A B. B. It was a. It was interesting. So I'm not going to hate on it for being forward thinking. The Rousseau, Basham, I don't think they really start or make much of an impact year one. But they're valuable positions. They're players that, you know, the range we would have selected both. Uh, Basham, obviously, like 42nd our board, 61. They got him at. So we even thought value there for them. So I'm not going to. I wouldn't hate too much on those two picks. The Spencer Brown one's odd to me. He's just such a big project at tackle. Like, so not ready to contribute on an NFL field. And I thought they could they could have just used, if they could have used immediate help anywhere, it was interior offensive line, guard possibly. And that's a great spot to find a guard. You can find a starting guard 9-3 easily. And now, yeah, you would love if Spencer Brown could develop into a starting tackle, but man, we said, like, don't, 
like project tackles are not like even if even at that point at the high end it doesn't matter that you're super high end traits at tackle i think it does at like edge maybe cornerback but like super high end traits at tackle aren't going to necessarily do that much more for you than a guy who has just good traits at tackle as far as projects go so I would have gone Quinn Miners there. Still on the board. That guy can slot in on the interior for right away and start, in my opinion. So that's where I would have gone at 93. That's the one pick I would have changed. What were some of your opinions on their later round picks? Obviously picking up um, Marquez Stevenson, wide receiver at Houston. These are all outside the top 200 selections, and there are some names here that are interesting. Marquez Stevenson at 203. DeMar Hamlin, the safety out of Pittsburgh at 212. Rashad Wild Goose, one of your guys, cornerback out of Wisconsin at Love 213. And then into your offensive lineman, Jack Anderson out of Texas Tech at 236. What are your opinions on those picks? Love some Wild Goose. I think he's one of the better value picks. Now, again, he's 115 on the PFF board. So we don't think he's going to be, if you're 115 on a draft board, we don't think you're going to be a great player. Like yes. Yeah. But I thought he was intriguing with the skill set and the fact that we've only seen fresh, true freshman, true sophomore year from him, which is rare from prospects so again we didn't get to see this next step and i thought there's some physicality and sort of man coverage ability on his tape not that he's going to a place where he's going to play a lot of that draft grade for the bills a b their win total right now at 10 and a half the best of the afc east your thoughts there i'm going under man there's too much too much talent in that division it just is i like the pats a lot yeah you have the dolphins as a dark horse super bowl candidate there's just too much talent in that division. The Jets very much ascending. Like you don't have any, you don't got two layups like any team in the South has. Which the Jags we didn't touch on there. So I'm going over six and a half for the Jags. Over six and a half the Jags. Yeah, I like that too. Okay. All right, New England Patriots draft grade A plus, my friend. Their over under right now is nine, and I'm leaning over, man. I think this Patriots team is good. Mac Jones at 15. They grab Christian Barmore after trading up to 38 at 38. Uh, Ronnie Perkins at 96. Huge fan of those first three picks, man. I think with the Mac Jones selection too, we didn't talk about it a ton um, in the draft show or even in previous podcasts, but I do think that what it really does is raise the floor of the offense and raise the floor of the football team overall. Like if Cam Newton does not pan out out of the gate, say he gets injured or he's not playing up to expectation, you now have a non-Jared Stidham quarterback that can come in and keep this team afloat. We've talked about a ton in the past. Remember when you know, Bill Belichick, that common stat with Tom Brady was where if he had another player coming in, he, off, he often won those games. He's won games with you know backups in the past, like Brian Mallett and stuff like that. Jimmy G, that one, or Matt Castle that one season. Like I do think that Mac Jones coming in, really does raise the floor of this offense. And I do think that the New England Patriots, man, I do think that they're a team over nine wins. And I don't know, maybe a dark horse to win the division. I don't know. I, I'm interested. I'm interested. Yeah, my favorite pick, the Barmore one. There's not a pick in their top 100 I would have changed with the Mac Jones, Christian Barmore, and then Ronnie Perkins. Those are dunks, slam dunks. If we're going to dig a little deeper, pick I'd probably change instead of Ramondre Stevenson. I'd probably go someone like Chris Evans for that offense, the Michigan running back. But these are... Again, if I'm if I'm changing a fucking fourth round running back, get a great draft. Yeah, that's great. Like, yeah, this is I mean, it's an A plus grade. Patriots needed this too. Like they haven't had, have not been their bottom three drafting team over the past five years, and so necessary one. Love what they did, and yeah, I agree. Over nine wins. What are your expectations for Cam Newton in year two with Belichick? I think it's gonna be better than year one. I do think his arm is not what it once was, and then you're never going to see that guy again. But I think they've thrown him with so much more talent. The worry is still injuries. I, I wasn't going to say injury. Oh, really? I was going to say it's still a bottom three receiving core. Like even with what they added, like you really going to revolve our offense around two tight ends? I don't know. We'll see. But I, I think it, it will be improved. But they're still not going to be like high end offense. They're going to run the football a lot, too, I think. I think oh, that yeah. offensive line is awesome. I mean, they Michael yeah. Wainu, I mean, Isaiah Wynn, David Andrews, Shaq Mason, Trent Brown. That's your front five. That's a solid front five. Arguably a top five offensive line in the NFL. Like, that's how good that this offensive line could be. And I think if you run the football, power heavy, you know, Cam Newton, I, I do think that this could be a really good football team, or a really good rushing offense, and raise the floor again. I do think defensively, too, still a good defense with Brian or Bill Belichick there. This is a tough division, man, but... Pats are very much improved, obviously, from last year. All right. Let's now jump to the Dolphins. Dolphins had a lot of top 50 picks and therefore got a lot of 
good players. So it's yes. hard to hate their draft. They got a B plus draft grade. Jalen Waddle at six. Jalen Phillips, the Miami, Florida edge defender at 18. Javon Holland of Oregon at 36. And then Liam Eichenberg of Notre Dame at 42. And then even added another top 100 pick, Hunter Long at a Boston College, a tight end there at 81. That's another pick that they added as well. Yeah. So that's probably the one I would have changed. Now, Hunter Long? Yeah. I probably would have gone Tommy Tremble instead of Hunter Long. But. I get why. Like, even as an inline blocker, if that's like what you want that guy to do, Tommy Trump's better. So, I, I, but I get the Hunter Long, like, he's more kind of ticks the boxes of a traditional tight end where you have a move guy and Gazeki. So, whatever you want there, that's fine. But if, if it's your fifth pick and you had four in the top 20, and that's the one I'm changing, you're, excuse me, four in the top 50, you had a good draft. So, this is a box ticker. The only, the only thing is they get the first rounder for Jalen Waddle when you could have gotten Devontae Smith a little later. And Jalen Waddle's a different type of dude than Devontae Smith, but is he worth another first round pick no. in next year? I, I agree. I don't think he was. But I still don't understand why they did that. I don't understand why they traded back to 12 and then made that decision to trade a future first well, to go reports came out he was the, their second-ranked player in the draft, apparently, and ahead of Jamar Chase on their board. Now, very easy to say things like that after the draft, and that happens a lot. And it's like okay, sure. There's no way. Okay, but I, I, I don't, I don't obviously see it the same way. Not a lot of other people saw it the same way. But if they did, then that's why they trade a first round for that guy. Man, that's freaking bananas. I do not think trading a future first to go from twelve to six makes a ton of sense just to get you know a wide receiver ahead of you know, Devontae Smith, yeah. whatever it was. But what's your opinion of Jalen Phillips and where they took him? I, I'm fine with that. There, obviously, we like Quid Pay is edge one, but Phillips, it's not that dissimilar and he's obviously been vetted by their doctors and whatnot and if that's the case talent level is off the charts with that dude he is a and he has not like hasn't played a ton of football to develop so i think you will see him be ascending once he gets to the nfl and a good fit for their defense this defense now is Sick. electric man my god on the back end yeah, and they kept investing in it, adding Javon Holland in the second round to the safety position, a guy who fits what they want to do. He can play. He can come down, you know, cover tight end easily. That's bread and butter with him. So it just comes down to Tua. I like over nine, though. I like over nine wins for them. All right. I'm going to read, you know, they got Justin Coleman in the slot, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, I mean, Javon So Holland. many options. Yeah, they got Malik Hooker, love. who's in for a visit right now. Like, they might bring in they Malik Hooker. They signed Blake Hooker. That'd be fucking insane. I mean, this is, and they got Noe, Noe Benogany is like their fourth corner. Like, that's another guy that was like really young coming out of Auburn. A lot of tools that they like. Drafted him in the first round last year. Like, man, like this is a defense on the back end that I can get behind, man. This is, this is sweet. This is sweet. All right. Going to now go to the New York. Jets. New York Jets had a really good draft. They got a lot of talented players. I think the biggest question is the overall, you know, trading those two third-round picks to go up and grab Elijah Vera Tucker. What was your opinion of that move? We gave that an average grade, not because Elijah Vera Tucker is average, mm-hmm. very solid interior offensive line prospect, but because of trading the two third-round picks where they could have gotten Darisaw, Wyatt Davis, and probably another offensive lineman at those picks. Instead, they just get one. They get Elijah Vera Tucker. I think that was the bigger concern there. But outside of that, Zach Wilson, Elijah Tucker, and Elijah Moore, and even Michael Carter at 107, all yeah, four so, of those picks are freaking fantastic. So instead of that, they could have done, instead of one Elijah Vera Tucker, slots in a left guard. Yeah, left guard was a need. And now you have Kai Becton, Elijah Vera Tucker, solid as can be. Blindside's good. And yeah, you still have options to, like there's still draft picks to be had. You got two first again next year. You can draft a tackle then, guard then, whatever. But you could have turned, instead of trading up, you could have turned that pick into Christian Derrissaw, Brady Christensen, and Wyatt Davis, those three picks that you gave up. That immediately then solidifies that offside. Now, not say all those guys are elite prospects, but again, you don't need to necessarily be elite at every position along your offensive line to have a good to operate a good offense. But the players they picked, where they picked them, absolutely no problems. They got a bunch of good players and a bunch of NFL-ready players so I, I, I'm not hating on this draft by any means. This was a very good draft for the Jets. Yeah. I mean, I think Elijah Vera Tucker, again, it's like the players they got were good. Like yes. Elijah Moore in the second was sick. Elijah Vera Tucker, obviously a very good player. I, I think Michael Carter, like I said, at 107 is awesome. Um, it, it literally, though, this team, it just comes down to this fucking defense, man. They, look at their secondary right now. Is still, you have Bless One Austin, Bryce Hall, 
maybe Michael Carter the third as your starting corner group. Ashton Davis, Marcus oh. May on the back end. Marcus May and Ashton Davis in the back end. That's solid with Lamarcus Joyner in their mix too. Solid safety group, but dude, their corners. That's the worst corner group in the NFL. Mm, it's right up there with Seahawks. They're one and two. But do, do they not get kind of, you know, do, do they not get helped a ton by Robert Sala? I mean, like him coming in, I think it's going to help this defense, the secondary specifically a ton. Like San Francisco didn't have good corners last year either. Yeah. So I do think they benefit there. I talked a little bit about like how Bryce Hall like is a good fit for this defense. Mm-hmm. Like, I think this is going to be interesting to see how much Robert Sala can do to like mitigate some of the concerns they have at cornerback. Because yeah. if offensively, Zach Wilson can hit the ground running with Corey Davis, with obviously um, Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, Savant's line with Mekhi Beckton, Elijah Ver Tucker. Like, I'm, I'm starting to get interested. Six and a half wins. Where are you at? I'm still under six and a half. Yes. I mean, I, I do think Zach Wilson, like I said, if he hits the ground running, that's the biggest if. It's not necessarily Corey Davis. It's not necessarily this offensive line. The biggest if is can Zach Wilson, coming from BYU, after one stellar season at BYU, can he come in and be legit? right out of the gate yeah it i mean we don't even have those those expectations for trevor lawrence like there's some reservations that he might struggle out of the gate because you know the sporting cast maybe isn't where it should be and all that type of stuff so i do think that zach wilson while awesome at byu it could take some time it could take some time before he's like legitimately hitting his stride as a top 15 top 10 qb yeah i mean even burrow was far more nfl ready in our eyes didn't quite get there yeah you know didn't quite get to that level as a rookie. So it's just, it's a rookie quarterback that you're starting and you have to start them because you're not going to start James fucking. Martin, I mean, they so. could be picking top five next year. I mean, there's a good chance they could be picking top, top five. You top almost six. like want to. If you're yeah, and you almost want to. Exactly. Yeah, and you almost know, want to. That'd be great. They could would be very well be for... in the same position the Bengals were in this year. The yeah. Bengals are at the top. Where it's like, he was good. He was fine. Mm-hmm. But now you got like yeah. impact dudes. They're now. the first team drafting that doesn't need a quarterback. You know, like doesn't yeah. shouldn't take a quarterback. I think that's a very likely scenario where the Jets end up. All right, AFC West, Kansas City Chiefs. Oh man, twelve wins. I think that's the highest projected win total of any team in the NFL at twelve wins. I'm not touching it, by the way. Hmm. I mean, that's just too high. It's too high to ever get close to it. Maybe, maybe you lean over because you have the 17 game season. I'm leaning over. Leaning over. I'm leaning over. Oh just, man, it's a good team. All right. It's well, what's your like... opinion of their draft class, Kansas City? They got, man, they had one of my favorite drafts. I mean, excellent. And even... B-plus draft grade according to PFF.com. Even into day three, though, I love what they did. Like, I thought they got guys on day three. Noah Gray at tight end. Good route runner for a number two. Like, can actually make an impact as a number two tight end. Cornell Power, wide receiver, can be... A starter. He could be a starter. Day one, Trey Smith at guard, Tennessee. He's 85th on our board. Goes 226, obviously with the lung issues, but... If those are fine, like if he can play, that's well worth comparing to any of the, the talent-wise to any of the guys that went at that range, and it's night and day. I think Creed Humphrey is a immediate starter at center. Nick Bolton's an immediate starter at linebacker. Don't always find those guys at the back end of the second round. And then Kando, my favorite, like, edge sort of developmental prospect in this draft. I, I love what they did, man. That's a hell of a draft. None of the picks that would change. None of the top 100 picks that would change. That's that's high praise. And I think yep. what they did really is they approached this draft and said, hey, we're going to raise the floor of this team, and we know we're in a window, and we're going to go get guys that can make an impact now. Nick Bolton can start now. Creed Humphrey can start at guard or center now. And then you have Cornell Powell, a guy that could compete with Byron Pringle to start right now. And then you add in their first rounder, Orlando Brown Jr., who's going to come in and be now. will likely grade will likely grade higher than any of the rookie off the tackles drafted in this class. Like He could easily be... Well. They put that on Rashawn Slater, who we'll talk about next. But yeah. okay, well maybe we won't put that on Rashawn Slater, but still, like he was going to be, he's going to grade higher than any of the co- tackles they could have picked here. Yeah, could have picked in the back end of the first round, more than likely. You paid for the certainty. Yeah, you, paid, you definitely paid for the certainty. All right, Kansas City Chiefs over under twelve. You're leaning over. I'm leaning over. I, God, I would rather die than place any money on a book sweating out Chiefs losses. <laughs> like, like that would just be the worst way to spend the season. Like yeah. Chiefs are going to win a shitload of games every single week. You're like, damn, they're favored by 10. Oh man, they're favored by 11. It's like, dude, this is going to be a tough bet to sweat. So I don't think betting the under would be good for your mental health. All right. Los Angeles Chargers, they're over under at nine. This was one of my favorite draft classes. I really like what they did at 13 and 47, grabbing uh, Rashawn Slater at 13 and then Asante Samuel Jr. at 47. Two of the better picks in this class. I mean, and then they had Josh Palmer at 77. I think those first three picks is a big reason why I love this draft. Yep. The the last team here where I will say not changing any of their picks in the top 100. 
That's oh, actually, shit, I forgot that Trey McKitty snuck into the top hundred. I changed the Trey McKitty pick. So where would you go from McKitty? Oh, my bad. Where would I go? So at ninety-seven overall, man, I forgot that I would not have drafted a tight end that high in this class. There was a couple dudes that were different makers at that point. McKitty was. Could have uh, gone a Fatu there. Yeah, let me think. I probably would have gone minors. Yeah, I probably would have just added to this offensive line because it's it always gets hurt out in LA at some point. So probably Miners would have been easily top offense tackle on our offensive lineman on our board. Man, Miners coming in too, that would have been sick. That would have been yeah. a hell of a first four picks. I definitely think the Trey McKitty pick is my least favorite of their top 100 by a long shot. Yeah. Um, like I said, over under nine wins for the Los Angeles Chargers. Where are you leaning? This one's tough. Nine wins, dude. Herbert year two, nine wins. Coaching staff change, Brandon Staley, Staley, a lot of hype. A tough scheme. division though. This Derwin is a tough back. division. Derwin back. I'm, I'm punting on it because, like you said, the tough division. Aaron Rodgers goes to the Broncos. You're just like, you're fucked. Like, that's it's probably four losses you're taking, and it's not your fault, but you're playing the Chiefs and Broncos. At least three. Like, maybe you're playing, one yeah, of those. you're playing the Chiefs and Broncos too many times to really just. So you'd have to win 10 of your other 13 games. That's tough. It's tough. So that I. I'll push punt on this one. I think the punt is fair. Super fair. I think betting anything in the West could be tough. I mean, the AFC until West specifically the until Rodgers' domino shit. falls. All yeah. right. Denver Broncos. This is another draft that I believe we graded very highly. Oh, yeah. Denver Broncos made some power moves here. Um, Patrick Sertan at 9, Javante Williams at 35, and then Quinn Miners at 98. And then even just outside the top 100, Baron Browning of Ohio State and Edge at the next level at 105. We love the Jamar Johnson pick. I think Kerry Vincent, where they got him, was good. Kate and Stearns the secondary man they just threw the kitchen sink at adding in the secondary it was an A minus draft grade and I think the only thing driving it down is they didn't draft Justin Fields at nine you know they didn't make that upgrade at quarterback they're sticking to Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater a quarterback room that is as uninspiring as the freaking French novel I wrote in that turtleneck I do think that that is the biggest concern like the Denver Broncos again it's like okay that, so it was they did it with the Rogers trade in mind though. Is the do you think they did? I think so. But don't you think it would have been better if they? It would have been better if like Aaron, even if because like, you don't know the if Packers Aaron, want fucking Jordan Love to be to be their starter if Aaron Rodgers leaves. They don't want another quarterback. Not okay, but even if you don't trade him, to Aaron Rodgers, or I guess you, you're saying they want Sertan if they're going to trade somebody. Yeah, more than likely. I mean, that's he's probably going to be involved if they trade for Aaron Rodgers. Sertan will move. So, man, if that's the case, yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. I am very interested in what the fuck the Denver Broncos are going to do at quarterback. If they go get Aaron Rodgers, this whole thing changes. Yes. But if they don't, they're still kind of like they're under nine wins still, in my opinion, even with how good this roster is. But it's a very good roster, man. And the Jamar Johnson pick at 164, the Indiana safety, 47th on the PFF draft board. I love that pick. Uh, And I love the scheme fit there. I think he's going to be a legit impact player in the fifth round, reminiscent of like Eddie Jackson going to Big Fangio and ripping it up. Um, the Quinn Miners one, I love that pick, 51 on the board. Give it 98, the biggest sort of problem area in the roster was center last year. The one pick I would change, and I love Javante Williams, RB1 on the board. So, like, if you're going to draft a running back, that's who we would have drafted. But they obviously didn't know the Juwan James news, but I, you knew that Juwan James hadn't played in a few years at tackle. I would have gone tackle there. Absolutely. I would have gone Tevin Jenkins. Pick 35, you trade it up. You probably don't trade off for a tackle, but like I would trade off for Tevin Jenkins. That's who I would have wanted rather than a running back. You got Melvin Gordon on the roster. At 35, top 40 pick, top 50 pick on a running back just does not make sense. This roster can get better. You can get better along the offensive line. Yeah. Man. And so that's where I would have gone. I, I do think that the Denver Broncos, there's a lot of similarities between how the Denver Broncos are building this roster and how the football team has built their roster and mm-hmm. that they have done a lot of positive things. They've drafted a lot of really talented players. Like this Sertan pick, draws a lot of similarities to the Chase Young pick. Like, really, really good player. You know, up there, top 10 player in this class. They grab him. They don't go quarterback. You know, just like how the, you know, the Washington football team didn't get to or Herbert at number two. They went the, one of these big-name players. And now they're in this position, and I think the Broncos will be in a very similar position, that they have a really good roster, and it's young, and it's cheap, but they need that QB. They need to get aggressive with the QB. I think them, they are, them and Carolina, I think, are going to be two teams that are going to be looking at next year and like, man, we're going to need to make a play. We're going to need to make mm-hmm. a play, especially if Sam Darnold doesn't pan out and Drew Locke doesn't pan out. Like, that's the situation they're in. So I do think that drafting well is helpful. Getting an A-minus draft grade is helpful, but you're not going to be legit. You're not going to be this competitor until you add that long-term option at quarterback, and I think they're going to be looking at 2022 to make that decision. All right, 
Now we are on to the Las Vegas Raiders, probably one of the lowest draft grades we got. Getting Alex Leatherwood was a consent, the second biggest consensus reach according to the athletic board. It was one of the bigger reaches on the PFF board. We didn't like what they did and continue to not like what they did, specifically with their first round pick. And then they get a value on Traven Merrick at TCU. Can I say something? Say it. The joke about the Raiders, if you flip their draft, it would be look so much better. I think the NFL podcast says it a ton. I've seen it on Twitter a handful of times. It's stupid. It's not, it's not, it doesn't make sense. It's like you could have drafted someone better than Alex Sutherland in the first and still got Trevor Merrigan in the second. Like flipping shit doesn't make any sense. Like I get that it's funny and like whatever, but it doesn't, it's it not their MO though. It, it's their MO, but still like yeah. that doesn't make any sense. Like you, yeah, yeah, you no, don't want to be I, flipping I anything. You want to be drafting the best players at every spot. It's like, yeah. oh man, but if they drafted, um, you know, Max Crosby in the first and Clint Furl in the fourth, think of how good that would be. Like, no, can you imagine if they drafted a good player in the first? Like that's what matters. Like this flipping bullshit is stupid and terrible rationale for saying you like this draft. So Leatherwood's a good player. It reminds me, the pick reminds me so much of the Cleon Furl pick now to a lesser degree uh, in terms of- Only like, because it was the, at four versus 17. Yeah. But, like, Clint Furl was 35th on the PFF board that year. We like Clint Furl. 35th player on your board should be a good player. Yes. Or else you're not scouting. And he has been a good player. But he's been a solid player. Yeah. But what you're passing up on by using that pick on that guy is you can miss out on elite talent, higher level talent. You missed out on Brian Burns. You missed out on Josh Allen, who have been better players over the first two years. If you're going to go. I mean, you use the baseball reference a ton. But, like, the picks that they've made have either been singles, a double with Colton Miller. I'll call it a double. Yeah. A double with Colton Miller and busts. Yep. Like, like, I mean, like that's been where they're at. I mean, Josh Jacobs is a single. Jonathan Abrams has not played well. Trayvon Mullen has not played well. Like these other positions that they've picked where they've been bigger reaches have either been singles, the double with Colt Miller, or just mm. absolutely no one getting on base. And like, that's the problem. Like you are not, you're not, the slug percentage over there is ass. <laughs> like you are not hitting triples or homers with any of yeah. these picks because, I mean, you're being kind of conservative. Like they're being safe. Like yeah. was Brian Burns a riskier pick? Than Cleveland Furl. I think there was a higher bust potential with Brian Burns because of the weight and some of these other things, but maybe, but like still, like Brian Burns More has talented. been a much yeah. better pass rusher. Josh yeah. Allen has been a much better pass rusher. Like all those players that were consensus ranked over Cleveland Furl have been better. And Alex Leatherwood, again, this is another area where like Tevin Jenkins, Walker Little, and Christian Derrissaw were all ranked as higher tackles on our board. Tom Cable in and, Fairyland thought that Alex Leatherwood was better than Potential and Rashawn Slater, which again, that's being too confident in your own evaluation. And Derrissaw on pretty much every board. Above Leatherwood, just like pretty much everyone saw him as the superior tackle at that point in draft. We saw him much more so. So that's why, like, that's where we would have gone. That's the pick I would have switched. Now, obviously, love the Mary pick at 43. I don't even hate the Malcolm Coons pick at 79. He's an interesting dude. He's got kind of an NFL body, uh, interesting kind of sub package rusher. That level of competition is probably his biggest concern. Like, he's, he, I think he can still win in the NFL. 79 just a little rich. Uh, Diablo pick and the safety load up that they did with him. Now he's probably going to play linebacker Diablo. But him, Gillespie, Merrig, when you got multiple dudes on the roster already is interesting. I just. Well, they cut Jeff Heath. <laughs> good. good. Uh, but they're just such a. It's just the every year with them. It's just. They don't have the track record to back up their off the wall plays. You know, like Bill Belichick makes a play, and everyone's like, "Hope oh, they're you know Belichick outsmarting the league because it's got a track record." Yeah, built exactly. Up. The Raiders make these plays, and we're like, "What the hell are they doing again?" Because their track record's been dark, bad. And I do think that some people rationalize some of the decisions they've made because they've hit these singles, and I think it's important to reset expectations. Like, yeah, that yeah, like the guys are starting because your rest your roster's poop. Sorry. Yeah, that's another reason too. It's like Alex Leatherwood's going to start a tackle this year. Yeah, because your, your other option is to start like literally Brandon Parker, who has been garbage since you traded yeah, all the way up to the first pick of the th third round for him. And I think some some Raiders fans plays. and some even analysts like rationalize some of these picks because they're hitting singles and one double with Colt Miller. But it's like yeah. I'll tell you right now, you don't win a Super Bowl winning hitting singles, man. Like you need to go chase the moon, especially, especially here's the take, especially when you're paying a quarterback on that second contract in their car. Like you need to hit yeah. on valuable positions, like on the high end. So they've had Browns have had the most draft capital of the past five years. Raiders have had the second most. The Browns have the best roster in the NFL, like I just said on paper, if not second best. Raiders have a bottom, bottom five. five. That's I mean, this defense brutal. is legit like a bottom that, three defense. If, if anything other than that, like that is that should tell you all you need to know about how the fuck they've And here, we haven't, while we're on the Raiders, let me, let, let's have a take here. 
They signed Casey Hayward. I don't know if you saw that. They yeah, signed Casey great Hayward. Sign, great signer. And he's going to compete to start. If he starts and you end up having to hinder the development of Damon Arnett, a top 20 pick, or Trayvon Mullen, who I believe was a top 40 pick, what are we doing? What are we doing with bringing these guys in? It's like, like you're, you end up, I think Steve brings this the up. The development. A lot. I mean, dude, yeah, Arnett's 25. Like that dude should be good. Yeah. Well, I'm saying, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying, kidding, but, like, but like, I mean, yeah. he's not good yet. Yeah, I, mean, I, <laughs> I mean, he's going to have to develop. I mean, there's no, there's no other option. Yeah. Like you drafted him to be better and he's not. So you're going to have to develop him. But Steve brings this up a lot. Like they end up doing a lot of things. Like the Raiders have done a lot of things where they'll cut or release guys and then bring in younger talent, but then bring in veteran talent to compete with them and hinder a lot of the development for these guys. Like and like play them out of position, like they did with Lamarcus Joyner, Jonathan Abrams. Like they've done a lot of things. They move people around to a point where it's man, like this is a very tough, tough brand organization. And to no surprise, over the past decade, they have the 31st in scoring, I think 32nd in win percentage. Like they, they have not been good. Like I, again, you try and rationalize some of these moves and it's well, just been insane. It comes back to kind of Gruden's MO of just not having patience. Yes. Of just as soon as something kind of goes south one way or the other. We're out. Like, we're out. We're going to get into the guys. Yeah. New direction, new direction, new Very direction. True. It's just like you gotta, you gotta have an overarching vision that you're committed to and there's been none of that and the one thing they've been patient on has been arguably their worst decision and Derek that's Derek Carr like hey, I've said this before and I'll say it again I'm gonna look at the camera Derek Carr is arguably the best player on this football team Darren Waller probably the best if you ignore positional value he's the best player on this football team why you trade him is for that reason like you cannot win with Derek Carr as your best player on your football team because at his best he's a top eight quarterback in the NFL at his best top eight fringe top eight to top 12 and this roster because of the impatience of John Gruden and the ineptitude of some of these other decisions that they've made they've really struggled to build around Derek Carr and now despite having the second most draft capital and a Derek Carr that at his best is a top eight quarterback have utterly failed because they haven't been able to build around him well I disagree I think you could win a Super Bowl with Derek Carr you just have to be better than they've been yeah but they're and not going like, to this okay, roster's not going to be I know, good for two or three not, years that's not like that's not then. No, they should have stuck to Derek Carr like they did three years ago. And then with the second most draft capital in the NFL, built a roster similar to Cleveland. Just built it better, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. like, that, like they had Derek Carr in 2017. Yeah. They paid him that money. And they should have built up a roster similar to Cleveland's so they could be competing for a Super Bowl now. They haven't. And now you need to cut ties because this I mean, roster yeah. is not going to be good enough in the next well, two years, three years. Well, it's who it's – the decision makers. It's like you yeah. can't can't pin that on Derek Carr. No, I'm not, and I'm not yeah, pinning that on yeah. Derek Carr. Like I said, I think he's the best player on this team. But it's like, don't why 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 move on from Derek Carr and then let those same decision makers try to then no you have I, a second so if you move on from Derek Carr, you know? need to clean the whole thing out. Like this thing needs yeah. to be blown up. You know that that it's game over season. I mean, they've been rebuilding every year since like 2002. Like this thing needs to be cleaned the fuck up because it's been a disaster. A disaster. I mean, the biggest draft that they ever had was by a guy who was fired from them, Reggie McKenzie in 2014. 2014. Khalil Fire Mack, Mack, Derek Carr, Gabe Jackson, all in that draft. Amari Cooper the following year. Rocked it. And then they traded both those guys away. And now, <laughs> now none of them now, are I mean, it, it's, again, I don't know, man. Oh, I don't know. The fact it's that tough. none of those guys are there still is incredible to me. Those were your four best players. I guess Derek Carr's still there. Derek Carr's still there. But the rest, the rest were your, none of them are there now. It's tough to see. It's tough to see. I mean, Reggie McKenzie built a legitimate, like, competitive-ass roster where if Derek Carr didn't get hurt in 2016, yep. they're winning, I think, multiple playoff games that year. They were dominant. They were going to win, like, 11, 12 games that year. Best offensive line in football, Coletio Semele, Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, Donald Penn, Latavius Murray. I mean, Whew. Michael Crabtree, Amari Cooper, Derek Carr. Defensively, they weren't good, but their offense was solid. Yeah. And then they blow everything up, like literally take a flamethrower to everything and every year after that. And now it's been a disaster. You hate to see it. All right. Well, enough about the Raiders. Gave that class, class a C grade. Jumping now to – that was the last one. I'm glad we finished there. That was the last of the AFC. I mean, because, I mean, we get on this podcast – how we get on this podcast two or three times a week and talk about roster building all the time, drafting talent, all that stuff. The Las Vegas Raiders had objectively been the worst. They've been the worst over the past five, ten years. Well, yeah, five, five or so. like Five or so. Maybe three to five. Regime. They've been the worst over the past three to five years. Yeah. It's just been because they had so much to work with is the problem. Yeah, second most draft So count. much. And you did. They're, I mean, how many teams, who has more, who has less hope than them? Just of like really competing for a Super Bowl in coming years. 
They're a bottom five team in terms of making the playoffs, according to Vegas books. Yeah. They're plus 1,600 to win this division. And now you really, all that draft capital is gone. Like you don't have future picks that you haven't loaded up on that. You're kind of just like in that middle zone where you're not going to have any way of really adding a nice amount of capital. And they're probably still going to win like seven, eight games next year. Yeah. And like going to be continue to be in this purgatory of garbage because, I mean, man, it's tough to see. Tough to see. All right. Well, not to end on a bad note, this has been fun. Draft grades and a season preview for all AFC teams. Where are you at? Over under seven wins for the Raiders. I'd lean the over, but not by much. No, I'd lean the under if, if Rodgers is in that division. Okay. That's a tough. Fair enough. All right. Well, I mean, I, I think they sneak out eight wins. Like they go eight and nine. They go eight and nine or nine eight. Six and 11. Huh? Six and 11. Six and 11? Okay, fair enough. All right, well, that's going to do it for the ASC version of this one. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. This has been a ton of fun, man. Going by every team was pretty sweet. Uh, in the future, man, we're going to have an update on summer plans. Everyone's been asking me. I got a ton of DMs. We were like, man, what are you guys doing this summer? Two, four drafts in the summer. You guys got to do something cool. I got some plans, man. We got some really, really cool things coming up for the summer on two, four drafts. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. We're going to detail that. We're going to detail our listeners, man. I think, Mike, we got to come on this podcast and tell people, hey, this is what we're going to do. And you're going to freaking love it. You know, some people take breaks in the summer. You'll see. You'll see what we got coming. Coming down the pipeline. Until next time, Austin Gale, producer Mike Quinn, producer David Sofaro, Mike Renner, 2-4 Drafts.